So you open the centre in Birchgreen. That's a, a massive success. You decide to, to, to open one in Holland, um, and then COVID hits. What's going through your mind at that point? Because you've gone through this process of putting the bids in, getting the keys, doing the place up, then COVID comes and smacks you on the face. What then goes through your mind, the owner's mind, who's put all this hard work in, who's got this successful business in Birchgreen, then you think, then this comes. What 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 do you do then? I feel that, you know, that, that, that particular moment, I remember it really well. You know, up here, yeah, you're right, we... I'd said to him, I was saying to Joe and we took him on, a, a, you know, made his sort of role official as the apprentice and it was like, he's going to spend time up here at, at Holland and my job was going to, was literally going to relocate up here to focus on trying to get bums on seats, was to get students through the door. We did a lot of work in the schools. We we very quickly um, filled, filled classes. We had nearly 100 kids up here. We'd renovated the coffee shop space and yeah, we we get hit with this news that that literally overnight we were going to have to close the door and i you know i think it was it was interesting because at the time my my my, my, my nan who's you know she's long since gone now but she she used to say things like i used to say i'm going to do this and she'd say ask yourself this is it going to kill you <laughs> and i was like if the answer was no then you know so long so long as it wasn't yeah. dangerous then by all means crack on. And I remember thinking about her at that moment, I thought that this this whole thing is, we could lose this business, we could actually lose it, we could lose our job, but I'd never felt like we could lose what we'd built. Because hmm. what we'd built was actually, um, you know, reputation was about stories, about memories, was about, you know, skills. So whether we, we might have lost the, the building, you know, that, that could have been the worst case scenario. We could have lost the building and we could have lost, in essence, an element of the business. But the, the, the kind of heart of the business was was everything that had gone before, the, the people, the, the relationships that we built, not just with, with the team, but with, with the students, the kind of legacy of the, the students that had gone. And I, 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 so I never, ever felt, I thought, yeah, well, we might lose the building. We might lose the building and we might, you know, we... We might, this might happen and that might happen. But as I say, I think business is really about the, the, the kind of heart and soul. And I don't feel that the heart and soul is the, is the bricks and mortar that, that make up the centre. No, no and, I, and I totally agree with that because I think, especially for a volunteer like myself, obviously my, my little boy comes here as well and does sessions and things. So for me, I was at a place where I'm comfortable doing my job then coming in to volunteer for how many hours. And I absolutely love coming. So for me to think, as well as other students and parents, where, where's my place? Where's my outlet going to go? Where, where, I don't want this to go away. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a scary thought on that side of things. And then when you're speaking to like like children, but the parents, they're going, well, no, this is, this is my family. This is my second home. I don't want it to go either. And then we together as a team, we come together. And then personally, I think we pull off something quite amazing in 2020. Um, bringing the arts family together in a way that we never thought we could. What what are your personal highlights about what we did um, as a team in 2020 throughout throughout the height of COVID? I think that, that, that you know, what you just said kind of underpins what, what, what I was saying about, you know, as a creative team, 
we, we were faced with a real problem. And I know I spoke to Joe about this a few times, um, is you're faced with this impossible challenge. COVID, shut the door, you know, this is happening, knowing lost 90% of our revenue overnight, um, you know, and, and it is an impossible challenge. But I feel like we've, we've literally built our whole reputation from 10 years on impossible challenges. <laughs> you know, I, I've literally went from doing one show a year, which seemed like a lot, to, to you know, quite frequently doing 15 or more. <laughs> and, and the team around me was like, impossible challenges is, is what we do. Yeah. And that sounds a bit, a bit cheesy, but, but it, it, it's for anyone that worked on the inside, they would realize that that's what we do. So actually... When we, when we were faced with the challenge of COVID, I thought, this is actually, this is quite fun. Obviously not the whole, you know, people people being <laughs> ill. Yeah. But the fact of what are we going to do now? And as a creative team, I think that the arts is the, is probably the most, I know people have said, oh, the arts has been the poor relation and they've lost this and lost that. But what, what the arts has not lost is its creative ingenuity, its spark, and its, it, its kind of passion to, to want to create art. So when we when we were faced with the problem, I always remember that meeting. I always remember that where I went, right guys, we everything that we've ever known <laughs> is now gone. Yeah. And the ideas that were flying in that, and not just like, oh panic, panic, panic. It was like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be fantastic. Everyone was just very quickly finding all the good, the good things. And you know, and, and I agree with you. I think 2020 was was will go down as one of the the best years that we've probably had for obvious, for a lot of different yeah. reasons. Um, I think highlights, I was actually talking earlier on about this, was, was you know, watching how students embrace the challenge, new challenges, mad, mad challenges that they've never done. And, and, and watching and thinking, we've instilled into these kids an element of... Um, you know, we've we've instilled into them something that allows them to adapt and change. So watching them doing that was it was amazing. A highlight for me was, as I say, the team's response. And actually, I think the team became much closer, much tighter than it's ever been before. I think that would would be a highlight. Um, you know, and and some of those kind of like high points in the in the dark, if like if that makes sense. So like elements of like the enterprise stuff, the Mike's Million, where, where there was group, large groups of us yeah. being able to kind of come together and that camaraderie that, that in, in, incidentally was nothing to do with art. Yeah. It was to do with walking around various locations <laughs> in the Northwest. But what was, what was present was, was that, that friendship, that camaraderie, that, you know, that kind of like togetherness that I do believe COVID 2020 has brought us much closer together, as give her as a real perspective on, on the things that we that we you know find important, and um, as, as proved to us yet again that when we're faced with what is an impossible challenge, we, we can negotiate it and not just survive but actually thrive in that as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, in in the year of COVID, and look. Channeling the Oprah interview here. I want to get a bit controversial. <laughs> in the year of COVID, obviously we did everything differently. And we, in work, in, in the work day, talk about some of the stuff that we're carrying through and going to take with us. And a lot of the changes we made, it was like, oh, this is great. Wish we'd have done this from the start. But what for you 
ends when COVID ends. Like for me, and, and what makes me think of it is like, I was just speaking to Jay before you came and joined us that loved, loved the awards night, but on the record would really happily admit I wouldn't want to do an online one again. Yeah. It was great for a COVID year, but outside of a COVID year, there's a better way to do it. Um, what for you stops when COVID stops? I think that the awards night one is a really good example of, of that. Um, I'll use the Zooms as well. Um, so, <laughs> you know, there's too many Zooms. Yeah, because I actually think that people have, uh, and I was taught, you know, I've, I've had this conversation quite a lot. I'm a, I'm a great believer that, that um, what makes the art centre what it is, is not the centre, but is the people. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just the team here. I mean the students, the parents, that you know everybody that makes up that kind of ecosystem is all about the people the, the, the energy that you feel from people the, the, the you know the body language the, the human interaction the contact the you know the being in the same room with people that that believe the things you believe is actually is a, is a massive thing so as well as you know zoom has been a huge kind of thing for keeping people connected the awards night, like you say, I enjoyed the awards night because it was so different. And yeah. we, we again, we were faced with a difficult challenge. How do we do this? You know, And we enjoyed that challenge, but I, I would absolutely hate the thought of doing that again. <laughs> not, not because I didn't enjoy the, you know, exactly. the autocue. Yeah. And I didn't, it wasn't that. It was the fact that when we presented those awards to those, to those kids and to those people, I wanted to be there and see their reaction. I wanted mm-hmm. to, to talk to their, their parents. What I love about the awards night, like you, is when a kid wins, 200 other kids yeah, in the room yeah. cheer like it's yeah. their own award. That is the best feeling in the world for me. And so, so for me, it's everything that, that removes the human contact. Mm-hmm. Processes have been improved. Lazy processes, lazy sort of systems that not just our business, but a lot of businesses have in place. Have been have been stripped away and streamlined, um, but anyone who's talking about oh you know now we can potentially all work from home all of the time have missed the real point, yeah. which is about living is about human human contact and human interactions. And to me, without that, our business as as well as we've done in in this year, you couldn't continue to do yeah. it like that. Mm-hmm. And and now starting to see sort of the light at the end of the tunnel and having that set date of when we can actually have students back 12th of April, the week commencing. I think everyone's looking forward to it. But what do you feel are going to be starting these sessions back? The the, the biggest challenges post-COVID, like as a, as a, as a director, as a business owner, um, show-wise, what, what, do you, what do you think are going to be the biggest challenges that, in that sort of sense? I think the biggest one is that people's habits change. Human beings are, are you know, the, the, they adapt better than any animal in the world, but better than any animal ever, which is why the species thrives as, as it does, because they adapt. So COVID has, has completely changed our way of life. And I think people have adapted to that. So what we want them to do is unadapt, <laughs> you know, is to go back to the things that, that actually, that they, they once remembered that they enjoyed, is reminding them that actually being in a, in a room full of people is actually a good thing. Yeah. It's not a bad thing, you know. But what's happened is people have, have lost confidence. They've, you know, they've spent a lot of time with their families and with their, their very close friends. 
and what that they they find kind of solace in that. It's like I I don't know whether I want to go back there. So for us, I think it's about you know I look at like a hibernation. It's like teasing the the animals back out of their yeah. hibernation. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I, I feel that there's definitely going to be a transition period as to is to building people's confidence up, starting to change those habits, and for us as well, you know, for us as well. Like, but I think that we've that I think is going to be is going to be the challenge. But that being said, I think what's been great is people have have missed the the things that they didn't really think they'd miss. Um, and the art center is full of those things that people miss, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So I feel like the people that we we do know, I can't wait to get back and 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 to be round people again, um, you know. So so yeah, I think that that is the probably the biggest challenge, not just for our business, yeah. but th- those changing habits. I mean, even like even like the supermarkets, you know, people mm-hmm. have shopped online because yeah. they've had to. So why would they? Why would they go and brave the queues in a supermarket anymore? And I feel like that that's going to be a big, a big the high street. We've all, you know, we've all Amazon's done better than everyone. You know, yeah. it's one of those because we've all we've all had to. And now we're all like, well, we quite like that. Yeah. We can't be bothered yeah. with the queues. It's, it's sh- convenient, yeah. It's convenient. So our habits change and that'll be a, a will be a big problem for the high street and for other other organizations. Yeah. So, so 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 sorry, sorry, Joe. So, so those people who are sitting on the fence about who were involved in the art centre or involved in uh, community theatre and things like that in the past, and they sit on the fence, adults, people who in, who in the arts adults group as well, as well as the kids, what would you say to them to try and encourage them to get back involved? Because I know it's quite, uh, it's, it's going to be a very daunting thing. So the other day we were talking about the, the dates that have been set for this year and the shows are coming up. And then we mentioned the arts adult show and I just went, Oh my god, we're actually still doing that, and I kind of had a bit of a kind of nervous panic attack. I was like, "Oh my god, I, I, I totally forgot about this." And I know there'll be other adults who are not as confident as what I seem out there going, "But yeah, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to go back. I'm, I'm going to have to try and put myself back out there again." What would you say to them to say, "Okay, trying to ease them back in"? I think that everybody has been doing. Everyone in COVID has been looking after themselves. Like they're, look, they're looking at themselves and saying, this is how it has affected me. But I think what everyone's got to be, be mindful of is that COVID has affected all of us. There's not one person in the entire, I'd say the entire world, that has not been affected in some way yeah. by COVID. So as much as, you know, I'll take, let me just use a name just off the top of my head, Ben Chain, okay? So... Um, so let's take Ben Chain. Ben Chain is going to be maybe thinking um, about easing back in, but so am I. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so are you, and so is Joe. Because yeah. it's not just Ben Chain that's been away from the centre. We've been away as well. So it, I think to, to parents and to kids particularly, rather than saying you're going to come back and it's going to be relentless, relentless, the pressure is on, yeah. you know, the, the demands on you are high, which is what the art centre has been about, we're very mindful that we are all feeling our way back in. And I would look at the next year of shows, not so much a focus on the absolute quality, but the the, the fact of let, let's get back on stage. To normality. Let's just do yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. And what, whatever happens, 
it happens. Yeah. So I just think that, that, that all of us are mindful that this is, that the reintegration is new for all of us, not just for some that's really feeling it. So we're now very much in the, the, the now and the, from, from the start through to the two buildings, through to COVID and to where we kind of are now. And in terms of, you know, the, the present day to day, what is your job? <laughs> what is what is it that, what you know if someone was to ask and we know who's in my head asking this it's <laughs> Mark Harry Meadows <laughs> Mark what do you do what, what do you think Abby Meadows thinks Mark does all day that's that's the question I think she thinks he sits in the circle waiting for people to just, just, sit, just sits there all day in a circle yeah. I think I think you can go with that mm-hmm. she, yeah she, she definitely does um so what is my job? So my, I, I, this is this is interesting because someone said someone's at, the amount of kids that have said to me, oh is this oh is this your job? <laughs> so like the art center, like I just open the center at like you know ten to five on a on a Wednesday, um, and I think my my job has is massively changed over the years, and I, I think that um, now I, I remember going to a, 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 a I was in a leadership conference once, and someone said that. If you are, if your diary is more than half full, you know they, they would argue that you are more of a manager than a leader. And I thought, if your diary is more than half full, mine is. <laughs> I haven't got a, I haven't got a slot in my diary. I've, every single minute of every day, seven days a week, is me doing stuff. And I thought that was me being the leader. You know, I'll, I'll do everything. So I realised from from that particular conference that. That my job was was to do less and mm-hmm. not more, um, and started to, you know, I suppose to use the word delegation and start to 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 get people in to to do the to do the job for me. But one of the things I had to relinquish with that was control and control of the end product at least for a time. So it's like I I know that I can do this and do it well, so I'd rather do it myself because I have a reputation to uphold and everything else. But th- that's not how you, how you scale something. That's not how you involve other people. That's not how you do less. So for me, my job, at the, I guess now, is um, to find people to do uh, my job better than me. <laughs> you know, so I think that- Mark, the- <laughs> I'm right here, I'm a call away. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I've become much, much more clear on that now. You know, my job was once I was a director, I was a writer, I was the managing this, whatever, whatever, whatever. And now I just feel like my job is to join the dots between the things that we want to do and the, the people that can help make that happen. So, you know, I've got so many so many titles, depending on who you ask, from anything from, you know, teacher, director, mentor, social entrepreneur, you know, you name it, whatever. And that's why I said at the start, very start of this, the title, I'm not really, mm-hmm. I'm not really, you know, it changes. A father, you know, mm-hmm. p- pain in the ass if you ask it. <laughs> so, so I just think now, yeah, it's about, it's about just, yeah, joining the dots. So that I think, I guess that is my, that is my, my holistic job, I guess. <laughs> and that's the, the stuff, you know, outside of the hours of five till nine on, on an evening. It's the other stuff. Yes. Yeah. And I also don't think people would 
realize the the long hours because I can think I can say quite confident the, the long hours that you yourself would have to put in to make a business like this run it's not just you kind of clocking at nine clock off at five it's those out it's outside those hours for instance going back to a show week getting up early in the morning to if, if you need to pick up certain things or going to uh, to a venue to rig up lights and then designing lights and then staying late in the night to make sure the sound's right, the staging's right. It's it's a long process. But I think sometimes people would only see the kind of, well, he's just there. He, he does drama on Wednesday nights and then nine o'clock, bye everybody. And that's, that's Mark done for the week. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's no two ways about it. I, I've made some huge personal sacrifices in order to, to get... I suppose the business to where it is, but I, I want to be really clear on on when I say personal sacrifice, I've done them out of choice, and you know, I, I've we've we've all done you know quite easily done you know three four fifteen hour days in a row, you know, without even thinking about it on a show week, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change that, I really wouldn't change that, and if I if I someone said oh well you've got someone to do it for you now. I'd, I'd fill the 14 hours a day doing something else mm-hmm. to add value because, you know, I don't like people who go, you give up your, your, it's like, hang on a minute, we're getting a lot out of this in, in terms of personal achievement, you know, the, the amount of kind of good vibes and good feelings that we get when everybody does a show, etc. You know, yes, it's difficult, but, and it's hard work and it's long hours and so on. But it, you know, the rewards are a bit like parenting. It's the toughest job in the world, but the rewards are, you know, are plentiful. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think before you were talking about as well, sort of delegating and those people having to delegate because I think otherwise it's, it would be an impossible task to do to do what you do. And speaking of sort of delegating and, and the kind of people you have around you, you have many different people around you do pick up many different roles. Uh, teaching classes, things like that. Uh, for instance, like dance classes and things like that. Now, recently, um, Abby left us to pursue other things and she was amazing doing what she did with it with the kids with dance. Now, that obviously means that now we, we as, a, as a Noni, you need to find um, someone who can fill that role as a dance teacher. Now, what, what goes through your head when you're looking for something like that? And how do you then, what do you look for in someone that you can bring into to teach the kids and the family? The, the best way I can describe this is, um, and I suppose my, my role, we're talking about my role as, as a leader, the best leadership comparison is parenting. And, and I actually think that the, the person that I'm looking for in terms of replacing Abby Henderson is where I begin is not, are they as good as Abby Henderson? Is mm-hmm. would, I, would I let them look after my children? Would that would I put them in charge of my own kids? So, you know, and, and with that means, do I trust them enough? Do do I want them to set the right example? Mm-hmm. Do they present well? Do they? What are they bringing to the party? And I always start with my own kids. Yeah, I don't think. Well, the census kids—they're not my kids. I don't care. They're all in my head. Yeah, they're all my kids. So for me, I start with my own kids. You know, and Abby Henderson. You know, when she when she. We spoke about her, her moving on. You know, I, I was quite op- open with Abby about, you know, she, that's the creative industry. Creative people 
they get they get new ideas and new things and they and off they off they pop you know and abby she she kind of breezed in she 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 left her her very very unique kind of unique self on on the center and on the um her impression on the students and then she she sort of off she goes you know and we wish abby all the very best and 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 i just think the time she was here was great for everyone that spent time with Abby. And now it presents a new opportunity for someone else to come in and and do something very similar. So yeah, I, I just think, would I let them look after me, kid? Um, are they capable of all of the things that you would expect from, from that? And as well, it's like, I'm not trying to bring someone into the team that that is a carbon copy of everybody else. It's yes, principally, and their morals and values are the same, but I'm actually more interested in how are they different? Yeah. What is the new the new thing that they can bring to the set to the team that actually we've not had before? Yeah. That's what I'm that's what I'm I'm looking for. Now now getting down to the nitty, nitty gritty of it, um, how close are you to finding somebody? Let's let's give let's give the, the listeners an exclusive if we've got anything. How close are we to finding a new dance teacher here? So so we're we're at the point of uh, a short list. So down to a short list um, who have obviously all been for, a, a, I want to call it, I'd say an interview, but it's more of a, of a conversation for me. Um, you know, we discussed the centre and, and the things that we that we do. So it's really about, been about a conversation, but the, the next stage of it, which will which will happen early next month when we're allowed, is for them all to actually show us what they've got. And that what that means is, for them to design and teach um, a session or two with our students to actually um, then, you know, go through that process and then not only for them to be observed and, and to, for them to feed back to us and for us to feed back to them, but for the students to be able to, to be able to ask them questions as well. So it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good, a, a good time. And I think that the, the shortlist that, that we do have, all of them are, are very, very good in their own way. I know that already. Um, and you know whether they're depending on on how we make the appointment. Obviously, the the brief at the moment is we're looking for a dance teacher for Up Holland. Yeah. Um, but as you know, we we have choreographers for the exam show. We would you know I'd love for someone to be able to come in and do some work with the adult cast, which is a very different challenge. So you, you know, never asked me to do the choreography. That's because you can't dance. Shut up, Jamie. The face of art, the face of art dance. Exactly. <laughs> um, Might as well get Aaron in to teach him how to dance. <gasps> we're better. So yeah, so oh we're God. at the we're at the point where I'd I'd love you know all three of them in their own way would would bring something really really good to the team and you know m- maybe in time we we can we can utilize all all of them. Mm-hmm. So so kind of putting your money where your mouth is on this. Now I know I get taking the mick out for asking stupid questions quite a lot of the time. Um, well, even when I do quizzes and things like that, people complain that my, my rounds are too random. So a random question you for you. Spell. Go on. Money where your mouth is. Trapped on a desert island, okay? You can only pick five students, past or present, to help you survive on this island. Who do you pick and why? This is going to be controversial. I can see it straight away. Obviously me. De- oh, definitely not you. God. For those that can't see my face now, it's like, oh my goodness. <laughs> this um, is so rude, it's unreal. <laughs> so, okay, okay, Desert Island. Right, so so bear in mind, I'm assuming there's no theatre on this Desert Island and no audience that we need to impress. Uh, not yet, no, but you can build one <laughs> if you want to. Okay, so 
this is about survival and getting ourselves safely off the island, right? I'm gonna. I'll start with. Uh, I'll start with Matt Alty. Okay. Uh, because Matt Alty. Okay, he was. Yeah. Okay. Forget the performer bit for a second. He's one of those who is like solving a problem. Yeah, um, he does. Bit of a Boy Scout, bit of a Cub <laughs> Scout, a bit of a, a bit of a kind of rudimental engineer. Um, so I think that Matt Alty would, yeah, would would be would be useful. Um, yeah. Um, who else? Who else? Okay, someone with someone with a good brain. Um, you don't have to be diplomatic, you know. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go Yasmin Ratcliffe. So... Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> go, go ahead, what's Yas got? Okay, so Yasmin Ratcliffe. Um, I, I, I think back to Katz and, and her role as Monkey Strap, as like the, the leader of the pack, and I, I feel like she would provide not only brains and ideas, she would provide, there's a sereneness to it as well. Um so, you know, I'm looking at you, John. That's definitely what's caught air above me. I'm looking at you. If I've got to pick a brain and it's, you know, there's a few brains in the room, I'm thinking, you know, who's going to do it without, with, with, you know. It's, yeah, it's all mine would be is screaming at people and trying to date Matt Alty on this island so far. So I, I, I give up, to be fair. Yeah, um, stick Yasmin Radcliffe on it instead. In, in, the, in the event that we have to, we have to, uh, you know, face wild animals uh, um you know and we have to fight off lions tigers and bears i'd want uh, you know i'd probably want sophie clark sophie clark like yeah. a proper spartan and she you know yeah, she definitely it, she'd just spear people but she'd just like break <laughs> break a bear with a bear hands she's one of them so so <laughs> sophie clark uh would 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 absolutely be would be there i feel like you know if it's not film where they all if they, you know, when the plane crashes and there comes a point where they've all got to start eating each other, I feel like <laughs> I feel like we'd need someone who would provide us with a load of protein, and I feel like that man is Ben Rigby. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're saying, you'd eat Ben Rigby? So Riggers, <laughs> no, but I, what I feel like Riggers, as we all know from the from the Liverpool, well, you don't know from the Liverpool War, but we oh, all know from the, from the Liverpool War. <laughs> Is Riggers is is a willing? He's a willing volunteer, and he'll do anything yeah, he's will. asked. He's a bit of a pack horse, a bit of a mule. You carry me bag. You you carry me. Riggers. Oh my God! If you bring you know. Riggers, you might actually get his backpack, depending on like how the pages are for the island. But yeah, but if it goes, you know, if it goes horribly wrong, you know, and we have to, Sophie, so, someone, Sophie Clark could spear him, and yeah. we could we could we could eat him, um, Riggers. And I feel like Shouts, you know man. this this is a controversial fifth. But you know, you know, you need someone. You know, like in, in Oliver, where Bill Sykes, he wants to use Oliver yeah. to go on his, go on his on his quests and on his <laughs> on the rob. And the reason he wants him is because he's little and he can he can put him through windows because he's light and he's little and yeah. he doesn't. I feel like we need someone who would like you know climb this tree or you know someone little that you can. And and if it come down to like you know we. You know, like Mort in Madagascar, where like they offer him as like a bit of a barter and shit. Uh, I'd go with someone like Ollie Pickle, Ollie Chain, <laughs> Ollie Chain, because you know he's one of them. He likes the rough and tumble. I always get him in a headlock and throw him around, and it's like Ollie, we need you to go. And it's like, well, I'd, I'm, and we'll go, and we'll just throw him up the up the top of a up the top of go a and tree. Coconuts, Ollie. So yeah, so Alti, Yaz Ratcliffe, Sophie Clark, Ben Rigby, and Ollie Chain. Good little crew, that. That's, that's me five. Bit of a mad crew, def- that. Yeah, it definitely works well for a desert island and less so for, like, 
you've got a show to put on and, and here's your five cast. <laughs> I don't know what show you could make out of that, to be honest. And my my question on to you is, obviously, where we are right now is is our, but your library in the Shakespeare coffee shop. So if you had three three books for people to check out of the Shakespeare coffee shop, what are your three so are these still links to the previous question of Desert Island or, or, or not? Well, I think the thing is, you're never going to get a book that fits both Ollie Chain and, and Sophie Clark anymore. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay, so I feel like since COVID, I've done a lot more reading. I feel like, you know, one of the things being in the position that I'm I'm in is always trying to to not stay of every stay ahead of everybody else but to continue to learn and continue to evolve and as new challenges come to you know to have new learning is really really important so um one of the books i would say really really good book for a situation similar to covid faced with a crisis one sim very similar to the, the desert island we've just discussed um it is a book by john cotter called um our iceberg is melting so it's a really simple fable. Mm. It, it's basically a leadership book that is dis, that is dressed up as a bit of a fable, using penguins. And basically, the premise is that the, the the iceberg that they're on is melting. They're all faced with a really big crisis, and it's it's the roles that people must take on within that in order to to avert the crisis. Um, you can probably read it in a day, um, but it teaches you a lot about team dynamic and and all of that so that that's a really good one um yeah if we were talking about the the actual uh, i suppose again to, to use covid is a good example a book that, that completely changed my it was a brilliant brilliant book to be honest it was called um a man's search for meaning by victor frankel who is a psychologist that was a, a holocaust survivor and you know, it was his, it, like an autobiographical thing about being in, involved in Auschwitz and other other concentration camps. And when faced with the absolute, you know, the the, the lowest of the low in terms of human, um, human torture and human treatment and so on, that actually, that if you have a, a really clear focus in your head, that you can, the human brain and the human body can literally overcome anything um it's a it's a really powerful book but but it's it's when you read because it, it's done by victor frankel and written by victor frankel it's um the book is hugely optimistic in nearly every single chapter mm -hmm. and you think how can you be so optimistic in in and i feel like a lot of the people who've you know not survived covid but the ones that have, have prospered within it are the ones that have seen this as an opportunity to, yeah. to do something. And I think that's a great example of it. Um, and my other book that I, I, I give to, or I, I've started to, to sort of share with as many different people as possible is a book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek. So it, it's all about, you know, when you, as a, the, the, the difference between the great businesses and the not so great businesses is the ones that start with the why. And I suppose my my story if you like the art center is we, we we have a very clear why at the beginning um and the book kind of outlines not just it doesn't just tell you what you already know it gives you the reason why that is so important and i feel that a lot of the book 
I read it nodding my head going, we do that, we do that. But what it did is it, is it reminded me that we should keep doing that because mm-hmm. that's exactly why we've been successful and what we've done. So it's keeping the, the why I do this at the forefront of our mind, never ever selling out to chasing the money or doing this or doing that. It's like, this is why we do it and not, and not forgetting that. So they're, they're probably me. Th- mm-hmm. and, and I would you know recommend them to anyone. You don't just have to be like, oh, I, I, leadership doesn't mean anything to me. Those three books are, are, are great, just personal reads, I would say. Obviously, if, you, if you've been at an, art, uh, an arts after show, we all sit there have a couple of beers and the students will just be shouting questions at you, all sorts of stuff. Let, let me do the exactly the same now. For people who don't experience this, this madness after show when kids are just trying to get name dropped, what are your top five art shows? Oh, and hang now, on, before you answer, if, if, if being asked by Jamie wasn't persuasive enough, then let me just call up one of our mates. Mark, <laughs> what are your top five shows? Like, what are they? You must have five. That's quite accurate, to be fair. That's quite accurate impression. She's one of my favourite people, so... (laughs) So, okay, so I I feel like this is actually... It's not as hard, I don't think, as as it may seem this. So, you know, I've I've been involved in, obviously, all of the, um, the, 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 you know, 100-plus shows that we've we've done, and I'm using... I'm being specific to the the Art Centre shows... um, so my top five, if I had to pick one, as in number one, I would go, I'd actually go Cats. Yeah. Um, because it was a show that we, we had no real right to do. <laughs> um, as we know, it's, a, it's largely a ballet and we, we had, you know, I think we had one ballerina. <laughs> um, and, I but what class myself as a ballerina. <laughs> wow. Dancing, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, we had no no real right to do it. I think a lot of the students at the f- didn't understand why we were doing it. Um, but it was one of those shows that it drawed so many brilliant comparisons to real life. It gave us a, a chance to delve very much into so many topics with students around, you know, um, self-confidence, betrayal, um, you know, isolation, y- you name it. We, we discussed it during that show. You know, we even asked students to design their own costumes in order for them to be become at one with their characters. We designed this set. We'd done away with all the wings. We it was such a, a such a massive uh, a massive thing, and I think the quality of that show was was outstanding. So I think it is very fresh in the mind, but I think that probably Cats has got to be my number one. I think that's a great shot because I think when. When you're when you're at the awards nights and you you play the videos for the, the shows the next year and everybody gets really excited and Cats was one of those was one of those it came out and just went okay Cats it was very, very lead balloon yeah yeah it was, it was a strange one <laughs> for, for me included because I'm not a massive kind of Cats fan I I tried to watch it after I was like I just can't get into this mm-hmm. but then the more being involved in the production of it and the watching it I absolutely loved it and I think. I genuinely think it is one of the best best shows we've done. I think it surprised a lot of people coming to watch it. I think they were expecting to come to watch an, an amateur show in, in, in Speech Marks. What they show was a professional performance by by a lot of talented young actors. And I think that, that kind of surprised a lot of people. 
I think the reason for it is you know, there's a couple of examples. Is as a director, you've got to be able to see the end before the beginning. You, as any artist, they have a vision. They they know, like a painter knows, kind of what it's going to look like. And I've had a very very clear picture of of how it would look. Then the challenge is how do you how do you get there? Um, the cat's had a load of lead roles. Uh, you know, normally you're limited to sort of four or five. Cat's had probably 12 lead roles and, and when you double that you end up with you know for double casting you, you end up with 24 lead roles so you know we also had a junior cast a, a very very good junior cohort joining the seniors who weren't coming Abby Meadows is one of them <laughs> she wasn't coming to make the numbers up you know we, we had a you know Jazz, Jazz Parry, Ruby yep. Chisnell like we had so many you know top performers joining the, the seniors and I thought that was another really good show to 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 combine to combine both age groups. Um you know so I just think yeah just from from conception to to the actual performance of it everyone to a man you know me to 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 you guys from from a from a design from from stage management from from design props lights everyone I think was at the best during that particular show so Cats would be number one. Um, I'd have to go to me next, one of my next big ones, which Joe will be probably more happy about, which was, um, which was Seuss. Ah, uh, and um, that Liam. <laughs> I, I, we shared the part, to be fair, I can't say that too much. Seuss a colour, I think, and, and I, I love Seuss because it was, it was wacky. It, it was, you know, you're, you're the, you're the, ad, you're the fun advocate in the centre. You're always the one that wants to, to you know, to not to be too serious with things and to, to find the fun. I think Seuss was was that. You know, there were some really tender moments in the show, but it was it, on the whole, it was just colourful, it was wacky, it was it was fun. But I also think that it, it was actually one of the strongest groups of cast that we've ever had, um, if not the strongest. So we we had a brilliant cohort of students right across the board. Every single role, double cast was was exceptional. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that that was, um, yeah, goes goes down. And I think we we were very ambitious with the sets and everything else as well with that. And, and it was, yeah, it would be Seuss. Um, so I think third is my all-time favourite show of all time. Not Maybe not art's version of it. Um, this is in third on my list, but on the, on the whole, my favourite show, which is The Lion King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was the junior show, The Lion King. Um Again, another another brilliant, uh, a brilliant. It's a brilliant show, great music. But I love the exploration of kind of the different culture of it, you know, and the costumes. We had some amazing costumes using the big sort of headpieces and the masks and and all of that. Um, so yeah, Lion King would be would probably be three. I think four would probably be West Side Story. I've always been. A, I was on such a streak then. I was two for three. <laughs> oh. I, I've always been a massive fan of, of Romeo and Juliet. I, I love the uh, when I seen uh, West Side Story as a as a kid. I I, lo- I just loved it. I loved the fact that it was. It kind of explained my school life. It was like gangsters. You know, not saying I was a gangster, but you know, it was like <laughs> it was gangsters. The, the, the gangs, the hard cases, if you like. And it was all done in a kind of ballet way. And it was like my 
the, the, my sort of position in school, which was like I was in this group, but I wanted to be oh. <laughs> the gangster who wants to do the ballet, you know. I thought you were going down more like the Jets were Digmore and, and the Sharks were Tannhaus type of <laughs> Yes, I've never lived in either, so I, I wouldn't really get that. But but yeah, no, so I, I, I always wanted to do West Side Story. And, and I think that the, what, I, I suppose the legacy of West Side Story is that, you know, we, in order, as a, as a director, you're always looking for authentic casting you want people who who understand the role and I, I always felt like it's the first time we'd ever done anything in the center where the the the, the two lead roles tony and maria were, were were that close that there was there was a kissing scene in it and we'd never ever you know working with teenagers as long as i have i thought you've got to be really confident to be going there <laughs> because straight away that you know but that particular cast were so comfortable with each other. They were so, they've been with each other a long time, lots of different shows together. And I always remember watching um, Anthony and, and Natalie particularly, who, you know, when I watched their audition and there's the scene where they, they kissed and they were, it was the close scene. And I thought, and when they left the room, I, I turned around to the, to the audition panel and I went, did anyone else just really feel that? And everyone was like, Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> and there was something really authentic about them. You know, um, I mean, Hannah, Hannah who played um, the other Maria was, was phenomenal. And actually, you know, I think she um, won the award for, for that particular performance. But there was something about Natalie and Anton that you just felt, wow, this is real. And as everybody knows, they, they have just had a baby. So, <laughs> well, well, well. But no, she, yeah, I mean, them too, as I say, they, they they became very, very close after that, and they're still together, and, and they, they've had a they've had a baby, and it was like, you know, that, that was it's a, a little art nugget of, of a story, but but yeah, West Side Story I think would would have to go down as, as number four, and my my my, my last one I, I I think I was torn between um, Oliver because I love the sh I love the size of that show, I love the the cast again was excellent. And it was an old show of mine that, that I did as a kid and, and then I revived it as a, as a director. But I think I would probably have to, probably just ousted a, just by Blood Brothers, which goes back to the early days of, of arts at, you know, 2012, when we actually toured around the schools. We did 10 shows in, in five days. Um, and we it was seen by, by you know, probably over a thousand kids. We'd actually took this, production to them um and me and mike were, were mickey and eddie so as brothers being that and you know i love the i love the show anyway i love the part of mickey and i played that um so yeah i just think that was was the start of the whole arts our, our, our kind of um thing of we're gonna do mad challenges and and that was doing five schools in in five days and moving from one school to the other, to the other, to the other, rigging lights overnight and all that, taking set. And I was obviously directing that as well. I think that that would have to go down as probably, in memory-wise, probably in my top, yeah, in my top. So they're probably my top five, six. So you've gone through your, your kind of top five shows there. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Now, you've taught and directed lots of different shows and taught a lot of different people. What was easier, directing a um, a junior performance or directing the adults? So uh, the, the adults, <laughs> the adult <laughs> show, my God, was, 
I'd say you're in town, which people, someone said to me the other week, I think it was, I think it was Rachel actually, she was talking about how her parents said it was probably one of the best things they'd ever seen. And the feedback that we we got from you're in town was, was, you know, staggering. Everyone, everyone loved that. And, uh, you know, the achievement of, of taking, you know, a largely, I'd say, a largely kind of novice cast through such a technical show and get the laughs and the, the laughs that we got was a huge achievement, but I hated it. And I hated it because, you know, I actually did the two things that I love to do. One was perform and one was direct, but I did them together at the same time. And I couldn't enjoy one, one or, or the other. Yeah. And I, I, you know, and I had such a big part in that, that, that it was just really, it was really a mistake to do that. So, um, but I think the adults, you know, that th- that has been a very different challenge. Um, and, and it's it's interesting is it's like, it's a different challenge because they're actually, they believe less in themselves sometimes than the kids do. They have more fear yeah. than, than, than kids do. Um, they have more doubts and, and what I was saying earlier on in the conversation about the stigma and having the courage to just do what you want. A lot of adults just don't have that, you know. So I feel like the, the I, I do love working with the adults. I, I, you know, I've become much more fond of it, I think, than, than, I, than I did at the beginning. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, to the Adams family and the next challenge. And our, our group seems to be growing and growing and growing. Um, but it is a very different challenge, yeah. Um, do I enjoy it more? I, I wouldn't say so. I think I, I love... I love different. I love the fact that in, in the adults show, if you don't like something, you can swear. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or, or get bevved. Or get bevved. Nick Chain. Nick Chain backstage. Yeah, you, you know you can't you can't do that in the uh, in the juniors. It's frowned upon. The last show that you were in, as uh, the last musical that you were in before you were in town, hasn't made you list, and that was. The Lost Christmas, but that was um, that's a show of of your own creation, which you wrote and, and put together. So why is that one, which I know from from chatting to you and probably everyone that asks you about it knows, is is a show that you you have a special place in your heart for? How hasn't that made your top five? Okay, so so it's, it, there's a, there's a simple reason is because. I love the Lost Christmas. I, I'm, I'm very proud of the of the creation, but I it, it's an unfinished piece of work. So I, I wrote I wrote a, a play script with intended music, and I used it probably back in 2008. I think was maybe the first time that it, that I heard that show. Claire McAvoy was in it as one of the lead roles. She was probably 16, 17, um, maybe younger. I can't remember, but. When I when it first went to stage, it, it it was massively well received. But but I there was music in it that didn't. It was there was borrowed music. Yeah. And and the intention was to do that show again with with new music. So when we did it with the arts uh, team, it was a great show, and the mm-hmm. the reviews was as good as they were the first time. To everyone who was in that show, it was a new show, and to the audience, it was new. But to me. It was a it was a bit like old news. Mm. It was a bit like I've already done this before, and I wasn't massively happy with it the first time because it it didn't have it didn't have the original music. 
Um, you know, so uh, the next time that we we do that show, I'd love to be doing it. In fact, I said I'd never do it again unless it has original music. Earlier on, you you spoke about um, the success of the business really depends on the people you surround yourself with and 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 the, the team you have with you. Now, in regards to that, how different is it leading a team? to sort of directing, leading a show. It, are there similarities? Is it totally different? Is it, because I would have thought, sure, it'd be quite similar because you've got, you, you still have people doing certain roles, you're delegating. What, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, so there's one, there's one really, uh, I think there's, there's one slight change to this, which is probably, both of them, I think, fundamentally are very similar. I think that you can be a brilliant artist in terms of a director and you can have all the knowledge in the world but if you if you are not good at understanding people and motivating people and uh, understanding and being empathetic with people then you're going to be pretty bad at both so i think fundamentally directing a business with people at its heart and directing a show with people at its heart is actually very very similar i think that the fundamental difference is that when you're directing a show, you can kind of see the end. So it has a, it, there is an end to the show, unless you're directing some kind of weird improvisation that doesn't have an mm. end. But you, if you pick up a, a play script, you know where it ends. So you can, you can engineer that in order, so you can build a picture in your mind and you can take the audience to that, that end destination. I think the difference with the business is there is no perceived end. So you, you can't take, you can't gear up the, the the group to get them to the end. So motivation is slightly different because you need to keep them motivated, motivated and evolving for an infinite amount of time, whereas the, the direction has a has a perceived end. But I also think as well, you know, I think that's the big fundamental difference between the two. But I think that. The, Directing theatre is, is not just about having a big mouth and being able to get all the kids to go where you want them to go. It, there, is an art, there, there is an art to it. There is a, you know, you're trying to seamlessly knit together a collection of scenes and a collection of, of ideas and thoughts and, and, and um, you know, different, different things, the scripts, all the nuance within the script. It's about extracting all of that and being able to create a platform that, that students... Or, or adults or whoever can actually operate within within that system. I think I think of that with the, with the lot of the time of that I think you it's got to be hard for yourself, especially when we come to things like sh- show week, because as well as directing leading a show, at the same time you've got to direct your staff, your your people you work with to direct the show as well. So it's kind of, it's layers there. So in that sort of sense, it must be very difficult when it comes up to things like that to kind of, kind of prioritize certain things. Yeah. And I, I think it, it does come with experience. I mean, when I, when I first started out directing shows, I, I, yeah, I was literally, I remember, I remember one show um, years and years ago, I was in it, I directed it. I did the light and design. Um, I did all the programs, the, the, design, graphic design for it. I designed the lights. I didn't operate lights, but I designed the lights and it nearly killed me. You know, I was even the guy in the van who was going getting all the sets from prison and all over, all over the um, Northwest. 
I did all of that. Now, when we do a show, you know, as you know, there's such a, you know, I don't work any less hard, if you like, but I've got so much more faith in, in you know, everyone's role, like the stage team, the, the, the lighting designers, the graphic designers, the, you know, my job is, is has changed slightly. There's no less components. I've just got so many more, more people willing and able to, to do that. And I think that, as I say, at some point, my role became more about, let's find people. Let's bring them in. Let's, let's give them opportunity to do it. And, and I think that what that's done is it's, it's allowed us to go from doing one show a year to 12, 13, mm-hmm. 15, you name it. Um, and I think that's been the big fundamental difference. Yeah. When you are in that situation, though, when you've got you know, casts of young people, and I think this, this is good, good advice for someone like Ben Chain or Maddie Bedford who've stated really clearly they're really, really interested in going into a career potentially of directing youth theatre. When you're around casts of young people like that, who, and, and I know from experience, though, for those casts, when it comes to show season in the summer, you're around each other, probably potentially in school, but you're certainly around each other so often in the week, almost, maybe almost every day in the week, in the evenings, in a rehearsal. Then you get into the shows and you're, you're in confined spaces. You're always around each other with a load of pressure that you've got to, you know, be really on the ball about stuff. And for some of the students, that is, you know, there's clusters of shows in the summer. Things get tense and, and kickoffs happen. I only have to say the words, summer of 2018, and there's a there's an awkward laugh or a groan or a moan. So so arguments happen. Um things things kick off. And what, you know, I think watching it is evident is it doesn't just impact the five people that who are having the argument. It impacts every person. You know, I, I remember there was one, something had gone on. I don't know what it was. I probably caused it. Who knows? <laughs> um, and, and I remember, you know, something had gone on. There was a session on the Wednesday and every session that day felt, ugh. Yeah. what's going on here I think me and Claire McAvoy came out of it and had to go to Mackey's to buy milkshakes and, and cry <laughs> because it was so like a grey cloud that came over how do you get not just you not just the group of people who are having the conflict but also the community that those group of people are in who it's having an impact on how do you get all of those people out of that situation I, I think that, that that is the unseen the unseen difficulty, I guess, in in the not just in in the art centre, but in in life, like mm-hmm. everyone has, you know, has a job to do, has a, has a, a set of objectives, but then what they don't factor in is the fact that everyone has another another life. They have their own problems at home. They've got their own insecurities. People might be, you know, they they may be hiding a secret. They, you know, there's so many things. That, that, that people are, you know, and that, that's no different within the art centre from a, from a staff perspective and from the kids' perspective. Um, and I think that, you know, it's making everybody aware of that, you know, that come back to the word empathy, like it's making everybody aware that everyone, you know, 
deserves respect and everyone has their own set of issues. And, you know, so it's, it's first and foremost doing that. It's also about creating, a, 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 I guess, the culture where making, you know, it's okay to, to have a bad day. It's mm -hmm. okay to make a mistake. It's okay to get this wrong. It's okay to fail because we recognize that failing is actually part of the process. And I think that the kids recognize that. They come in with these expectations that's been mm -hmm. given to them by parents or by, by society. And it's us saying, failure is okay. We're, we're good with that. We're all right with that. But as long as we're trying our best. So, it, you know, so th th there's those things. And I think as well, it's like what I try to do is everybody is on a different journey. In a show, everyone's got a different role, different parts. Some have two lines, some have 20 lines, some have five songs, some some can't sing. You know, everyone's got a different part to play. And it's reminding everybody that that's to focus on what they're doing, focus on, on your bit, whatever that may be. Do it to the best of your ability and making sure that ultimately, I think my job is this is the end goal. Making everyone see what that end goal is, setting the kind of compass for the destination in the distance, and just making sure that everybody collectively is heading in the right direction. I think where it where it falls apart is when the director or the leader doesn't set that destination. Everyone goes off mm -hmm. on a tangent. We've gone we've gone from right from the start to kind of all through this 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 journey of the directing, the the acting, the things like that. Let's let's now look at the future. Post COVID, we're going through. We've got all these shows lined up for this year. Getting back into the swing of things, getting back into the madness. After that, what do you see in the future for the art center? Be uh, be one the, the the pollen venue, both venues. What 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 do you want it to be next three years, five years? Where do you see see it? So I, th I think we, we we discussed you know constantly. I think one of the jobs that um, you know my job, I, I suppose a way of putting it is to, to look up and out. Some some uh, Mike's job you know is to look down and in at, at what we're actually doing right now. My job is to look up and out. So what's in the distance? What's in the future? And keep keep moving forward. So for me. You know, we've got some some really exciting projects. I mentioned the Lost Christmas. Um, I thought that would be would be great. We've, we're doing some exciting things with Westlands College, so we want to do we, we want to really join the dots and with provide more, much more in terms of education, um, not just for, for for young people, but for for adults as well. Um, we, we've got a really exciting building project coming up, which is um, about the. Well, I say coming up, we're hoping to. It's about, I mean, we're still in the planning stage, but is to really make the outside of SCAM look as aspirational as the inside of SCAM, which would be phenomenal. Um, I would like to do more about growing the team, you know, um, more opportunities, bring more team members in, more training, so, so we can continue to build that capacity. Um, and I suppose long term, it would be, you know, maybe another, uh, 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 you know, an art centre three. Why could we not do that? Um, we've Joe, me and Joe and I spoke very much about, you know, an arts theatre. Like, what does that look like? Um, and I, and I think 
one overarching thing for me would be to try and use the stuff that we've done, the evidence that we've gathered, the stories that we've told to somehow make sure that, that the, the system of education and society starts to see how life-changing the arts can be and stop pushing it to the back of the queue, stop underfunding it across, across the education system and actually start putting arts at the top table because it's much more than just Shakespeare and ballet and, you know, a, a bit of this, a bit of that. It's fundamental communication, creativity, you know, um, and I think that those things are, are, I think we personally, as the, as the art centre, have a role to play in, in trying to make, make that happen. So loads and loads of things. And on that note, it's time to play What's oh, in no. the Box? Oh, this always makes me nervous, man. All right, guys, we're back for What's in the Box. I absolutely hate this. It so it makes me so nervous you don't understand mark i don't know if you caught the last episode um where we played what's in the box with steph two two episodes ago but J the rules are jay is going to put his hands in a box he's currently blindfolded up and he's going to have 90 seconds to verbally describe to you the contents of the box so if you guess, sweaty already it's disgusting it's mutual success if you fail Jamie's stuck his hands in a weird box. Not so, for the first time. Jay? Yes, mate. The contents of the box, I will tell you today, is two items. So you're describing two, two things, items. okay? I feel like it would be giving you an unfair disadvantage if I didn't say that. So, okay. Alex, I need you to set a timer for 90 seconds on the clock. Has, has Mark seen what's inside the box? Mark has not seen and or knows I about anything. No he knows nothing about Brilliant. what is in the box. We are good? Right. I feel happier that I am Three, here and you are there. Two. You have to guide me. One. We begin. Right, where am I going? Feel around. Do what you want. Oh, man. What is that? That. Say things, Jay. <sighs> right, okay. It's it's wet. Oh. It's lumpy. Oh. Um. Yeah, it's wet, well, it's wet and lumpy. And, and there's two items, is there? There's two, there's the two first things one, in this. The first one's wet and lumpy and very... I don't know if it, is it cre creamy. Is it? Is no, it, it's it it's cold, wet, and lumpy. That's the best way to describe it. Cold, is that? Wet, are they are both things together next to each other? I'm not going to reveal anymore. Cold, wet, you and lumpy. Describe. Right, okay. So you can start guessing things as soon right, as you lumpy, want. Lumpy, but when I put it in my fingers, it breaks up. Oh, so some kind of food. Some sort, some sort of food. Some kind of food. Some kind of desserts, maybe cake. I, no, I want. I, it's, it's, it's kind of more kind of. Um, like a meat consistency, I would have thought. Like oh. you, when you break it, when you break something oh, not up. Meatballs, then? Not, no, not it's not. It's not. It's like little chunks or something. Like oh, that. dog cat food, or dog food, or something. Yeah, better not be something along them sort of lines. And, and then it, there's something next to it. It's just kind of. I don't know. It's wet and kind of like the consistency of like. I don't like yogurt or mayonnaise or something like that. It's weird, man. I don't know how to describe it. Literally, it is just like 14 lumpy seconds that's breaking up in my fingers. Lumpy and breaking up in your fingers. Yeah. Uh, you know, he hasn't not thrown up in the box, has he? Uh, well, <laughs> would not surprise not me. Not five. Not cat food, Four, dog food, spaghetti and three, spaghetti and meatballs. Two. No. 
One no, no. time is up, Jamie. You've can just I, had I, your I, hands in a box. Can, can I guess? Of can I guess what I don't even say? Go can for I guess? It. it. It it feels like tuna. It is tuna. It feels like tuna. Is it like tuna mayonnaise? It's tuna <laughs> and whipped squirty cream. <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, by the way, smells. Put your head, put your pen there. I, I, I can smell something. Tuna. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm, you didn't. Tuna all and I got was, cream. It was wet and lovely. Do I take this off my head, Joseph? Yeah, go for it, mate. Um, yeah, mate, I, I, it just breaks up in it. I don't know. Look at my hands. Wet and lumpy is what you. Yeah, but I don't, I, I don't know how to describe it. How would you describe it? Flaky, maybe? Or? Well, it breaks up in my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like meat. Jay, you are on a, a one win, one lose in our series that, that's, run of that's What's difficult. in the That's difficult. There's not really much to describe with it. It's wet and lumpy. It could have been cat sick. It could have been... The whipped cream is a different one. Yeah. You're not putting... I can understand like tuna and mayonnaise. Like That would be a, that would be yeah. a kind of combination. But well, You know, cheese and chocolate. <laughs> and that concludes... And cheese and chocolate, though. <laughs> what is in the box? I'm scared to think what's next time. Put something better in next time. Like something more like... That's actually got a texture. Or a shape. Vomit's been suggested today. In well, this, please don't in put vomit in it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, guys, we're pretty much wrapped up for for today's episode. Marks, thank you for um, being our our guest for our first two parter. Um, it's been great to have you have you come and chat to us, and then great to have Jamie stick his hands in a box. Yeah, I love feeling the tuna and whipped cream on a uh, on a Wednesday night. Amazing. Well, I will say, as a, you know, I've become a bit of a fan of the show because, and you know, and I know that there's people who go, I, I, I haven't listened to this episode. Well, I have genuinely listened to all of the episodes, um, so it was good to be on on the podcast with you, with you both, uh, and actually nice to talk about how it all began and be reflecting on that. Mm-hmm. So it's quite important, I think, to, to do that. So, so thank you for for your time. Well, thank you. Well, thanks, guys. And we will uh, catch up with you again next time when we are interviewing the Arts 2020 Student of the Year. Maddie Bedford. Maddie Bedford. Bye. 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 Bye.